I don't get where I play as long as I go number one in the draft. Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Washington Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. Quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. My name is Dean Millard and the Director of Scouting for TSN will be along shortly. Uh, The stars of tomorrow are discovered here and I'm so glad you've decided to join us whether you're new to the show or you checked us out last year in our abbreviated Season 1, new this year, we're on a new day. Wednesdays is when the show come out. We'll try to put a preview out on Tuesdays. And video, if you're watching us, thank you very much, whether it's on our YouTube channel at Podcast Alley or on any of our social media uh, channels. rather. Uh, If you're listening, thank you very much for that. You can definitely check us out and watch us uh, if you like, or uh, we always appreciate listening, and we'll try to... Uh, make sure we cater to both of those platforms. So we're going to take a general look at the 2021 draft today with Craig Button. Uh, normally, this is how we break things down. Top shelf talent will feature players ranked inside the top 40 on the Craigslist, which you can find at tsn.ca. Those are guys that are projected to go in the first round, but it always doesn't work out that way, of course. Of, obviously, there's only going to be uh, 31 picks, uh, soon to be 32 In the next wave, that's where we'll feature some of those players that are outside of the top 40 on the Craigslist, projected uh, by Craig to go in rounds uh, two through seven or beyond. Uh, Some of these guys don't get drafted and become great uh, hockey players, Hall of Famers, uh, even, if you will. And in Time Machine, we will take a look at a prospect for the 2021 draft, go back in time and compare it to somebody that maybe Craig has drafted or dealt with or just watched or just who he sees similarities in. So we'll then speed ahead in time and check out the 2022 draft rather uh, for a a quick sneak peek. So that will all be in Time Machine. Uh, That's where we'll start things uh, probably next week with uh, getting that sorted out with uh, Uh, Some of those players and looking ahead, it's going to be a really strange year. And we do talk about in this episode about, you know, how tough it's going to be for scouts and uh, certainly for players as well. We'll also have our trivia question uh, and we'll give you the answer a little bit later. Here's the question. If you're watching, what two current Canadian NHL cities have never had a first overall pick? Think about that. What two NHL cities in Canada I've never had a first overall pick. Try to think of it without having to look it up. We'll give you the answer at the end of the show. Craig will join us on the UFFS hotline. It is the ultimate franchise fantasy 
hockey platform or sports platform because they're branching out into MMA as well. It is so realistic. We just finished our auction draft in the open market for the scouts because, yeah, there is a scouting platform in this. So you actually uh, can be uh, scouting and ranking the same players that Craig Button and other scouts do and then actually uh, having them auctioned off to franchise owners like myself. I'm a franchise owner. Uh, Craig is a scout in this platform for high-level scouting, an agency that my wife formed. So it's a family thing for us, and you can get involved too. Uh, You could be an owner. Uh, Maybe you can approach one of the owners about being a GM. Some of them are always looking for a little help. Maybe you and your buddies can buy in. It is high stakes, but there is definitely high reward. Uh, Our prize pools are approaching thirty thousand dollars, you know, and that's it's it's, you know a big chunk of change. We spread a lot of things out uh, among different owners, so it's cool, man. It is the ultimate in fantasy sports. It's the ultimate franchise fantasy sports platform. Check out the details at uffsports.com. In this format, you own the game because it's on the blockchain, so you literally own these digital assets. So get in the game where you own the game at www.uffsports.com. All right, some quick news and notes before we bring in uh, Craig Button of uh, TSN. And that, of course, is that the Ontario Hockey League is now targeting, this according to Darren Dreger of TSN, the January start date at some point. So the WHL came out and said, hey, we're starting, I think January 9th was their target date. Um, uh, or, or some some sort of after the Christmas and uh, New Year's break, uh, Christmas break that they have. Uh, there's the World Juniors uh, tournament to, to contend with, and then after that, the WHL. So the OHL is looking at that. I don't know what is going to happen with all the uh, the health regulations. I certainly don't think you can play an Ontario Hockey League season without contact. I don't know, um, but I don't know what's going to happen. But they are sort of looking at some of those dates. Uh, we'll see what happens with the WHL, and hopefully that gets off in their regions. Um, you know, there's a there's a U.S. division in the WHL. We'll see what happens in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, the Quebec League has had all kinds of stops and starts going on. So, you know, I, I love hockey, and I love watching hockey, and I feel bad for the kids that can't play, but I feel worse for the family members who have lost people. And, I'm, you know, we, we lost an aunt to, to, to this uh, situation. So, um, you know, I want to get this under control for everybody. So playing hockey has to be done safely and properly. Um, you know, you just, you just can't have an Ontario Hockey League season without any contact. So if that means you can't play, then unfortunately I guess that's what it would mean. But, man, that would be, uh, that would be strange. Um, and, and, you know, I think European countries are going to have an advantage. A lot of the guys are playing already. So they're going to come into the World Junior Tournament having played. Maybe Canada puts together like a month-long camp to try to get guys going or something like that. I'm not sure. But I think the uh, if everything's status quo and they have a normal camp, I, I think that the European countries uh, certainly have to have uh, a fairly big advantage as their guys are you know, coming in, having played actual games. And you could skate all you want, but games actually mean something. That competitive speed that you need to play at that you just can't get in uh, a practice. So that's a few of the uh, news and notes that are going on in the uh, prospect world right now. And certainly this is ever-changing as we're trying to figure out just life in general, not just uh, when it comes to sports. All right. The director of scouting, Mr. Craig Button of TSN, will join us in just one second as we take a broad look at the 2021 draft.
here he is. The director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button. Craig, our maiden voyage on season two, episode one, and uh, we've added video so everybody can see our beautiful faces as we talk about these <laughs> beautiful prospects. And uh, before we kind of get into the 2021 draft and those players, I want to go back to the ultimate franchise fantasy sports draft that just took place. And, you know, our strategy going in, we were sitting at 22 and, and we both agreed that Hendricks Lapierre at 22 was a guy we would want to bid on because we both think he is going to be a quality player despite the injury so that was our strategy going in and I thought that was a pretty good strategy that we had laid out don't you absolutely it's a it's a strategy and you know when you, when you see a player like Hendricks now obviously you know the medical issues that he had you know teams had to be satisfied with the medical report because they weren't able to have their own medical people examine Hendricks. So he ends up at 22 with the Washington Capitals, an organization that's patient. But in my view, Hendricks Lapierre, a healthy Hendricks Lapierre, he's certainly a top 10 pick and very well could have been a top five pick. And, you know, based on what he did early on in, in four games in the Quebec League this year, he's given every indication that he is uh, going to be a player that we'll look back on and say, yeah, the reason he went 22 was because of the medical uh, uncertainty around him and the, the unique circumstances of this year's draft. But make no mistake about it, his, his ability to be a real, real good player, uh, I, I, I think is unquestioned. Well, and, and so did other GMs and owners in, in my league because he went for over $800. Like, he exploded. <laughs> there was a bidding war, so I, I had to bow out of that. And then I was looking at uh, uh, Tyson Forster and that got a little bit high, but we walked away with the Connor Zary, and you and I chatted about him. Um, he, can, you, can you look at, first of all, how he ended up with the Flames because they did a pretty good job of uh, acquiring picks and then getting a really good player. And, and maybe talk about how you see his development with Calgary going. Well, you know, I, I, I think for Calgary, you know, to add a player that can, you know, play in every critical area of the game, you know, with the puck, without the puck, offensively, defensively, you know, teams are looking for those types all the time. And I think Connor perfectly fits that description. Now, you, you know, I've watched Connor for three years. And one of the unique things in, in draft and scouting and evaluating players is that when you're not, it's never static. It's over a period of time. And what you want to see is, is okay, how much, as, as the player matures, how much more of the game can he impact? And as he impacts more parts of the game, what does that look like in terms of translating to the NHL? And, you know, from the first time you see Connor, and then all the way through, right up until the last time I saw Connor, and, and, and that's dozens of times, all, all I continuously kept leaving with is he just continues to be better, to be more impactful, to, uh, you know, uh, build on that confidence that he has to, to be an impactful player. And, you know, almost 
to, to the point where he comes out on the ice and he's going to make some type of contribution in some significant way. And despite the opponent's best efforts to try to stop him, he, he always found ways to get on the right side of a play. And, and, and that's in all the areas of the game. I, I think he's incredibly smart. I think he's incredibly versatile and adaptable. And I think he's got really good skills. And I, I think that he's a player that doesn't play with a lot of that flash and dash. But when you're playing and, and you're in the competitive fight and the competitive battles, you want players that are going to find ways and are determined to find ways to make their impact felt on the outcome of that game. Connor Zari is exactly that type of player in my mind. Yeah, I think you described him as a bit of a Swiss Army knife, so uh, a guy yeah. that can play up in your lineup and play uh, to shut down opponents as well. So we also had the... Uh, and and old... let me just add one thing to you. And, yeah. and if you need the night portion, he'll stab you in the heart if you're if you're a fan of the opponent. <laughs> oh, great, great analogy. Okay, so then we had the open market, and this is where we really put you to work as you submitted your list uh, to a high-level scouting and Trish and, and the players that uh, you wanted to target. And, uh, man... I think we did really well. Out of the 21 players that we ended up getting, two of the top four players you had on your list are now property of high-level scouting in uh, Emil Vero of Detroit and, and Evan Veerling, as well as the best name in the draft in Gunnar Wolf Fontaine, among others. And so we kind of went through the list before this. Uh, you know, How do you think high-level scouting did coming out of the open market? Well, I, I mean, I think as... as when you're part of a team, and certainly with Trish as the general manager, she she's looking for input, and she's trying to assess, you know, okay, based on the input that she has, you know, what type of what type of decisions can I make with respect to, you know, what are we prepared to pay, and you know, that's where I have to do my part, and you know, she has she has a level of confidence in you and me, and now the players are there. Now we get to watch and see how they develop and where they where they end up going to. And by extension, she's also going to be able to evaluate our input in this. <laughs> now, we can be confident today, but, uh, you know, the scouting process is never static. And, and by that, we have to continuously evaluate what our work, but our work's also going to be evaluated too. So I'm confident. And I think when you talk about Amo Vero, uh, he had some injuries this year, but but I think he's an exceptionally intelligent player mm -hmm. that moves the puck, skates exceptionally well. I like you know one of the things I like to see in defensemen is do they create problems for themselves? That it's great to say they escape trouble, but do they create those problems? I don't see Vero ever doing that. I see him being able to you know make right plays, be a problem solver when he's confronted with challenges, and just continue continue on the play. Evan Veerling, I mean, he was Quentin Byfield's teammate with the York Simcoe Express. You know, Flint just didn't work out for him, and he ended up in Barrie, and he was terrific. And, and I think the New York Rangers got a really good player in the fifth round, but more importantly, I think that recommendation for Trish and the fact that uh, we were able to get him, I think it's going to pay real significant dividends. Well, and, and let's make one thing clear. I think Trish has a lot of confidence in you. Uh, me, uh, she's seen me for 17 years, so she's a little bit worried. So uh, she's, she hasn't seen a lot of fantasy titles in 17 years uh, in our marriage. So there may be question marks with me, and I might just ride your coattails on this one. 
Well, here's what I would say to you. You know, good managers, you know what, never ever have a tell or, and they always have a poker face, right? right. So right. 17 years, you may think that, right? But like, you know, she, she keeps you off balance. And, yeah. and that's a good way to keep a, a relationship going in the long term. You know, keep you guessing a little bit, but uh, I think she's got lots of confidence in you. All right. Let's uh, move over to the 2021 draft. Officially, we are on episode one of season two. And I guess, first of all, when do you think the 2021 draft might happen? There's so much up in the air. And, and you know, these prospects had to go through that wait until October, which is so rare. But, you know, what's your best guess about what happens with this NHL season leading into when the draft might happen? Yeah, you know, here's what I would say, Dean, is is that we we can guess and we can stab, but you know, one of the one of the great things that the NHL did with respect to the pause, they they evaluated number one what the situation was, and and then they looked at options and they collaborated with the players, with medical experts, and 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 then they can they continued to watch to see how the pandemic unfolded to the point where they said, we're confident with this plan. And so, you know, always in mind is, is that, you know, nobody can consult COVID-19 to ask COVID-19, you know, what are your plans? You know, what are your plans? Like, uh, you know, are you ready to depart uh, now and maybe uh, leave us alone? Or do you plan on staying around a little bit longer? So I I think that, we saw it with the Western Hockey League announcing their season mm-hmm. earlier. They had, they had talked about an early December start. But the continuous assessment of not only the pandemic, but also what risks do we pose by coming back and playing too soon? And how do we minimize those risks and try to not only provide an opportunity for the players and, and, and for the fans to enjoy junior hockey and amateur hockey and the prospects, but also to minimize risk across the board, wherever these teams and players are participating. And I think that's at the forefront. So any guess that I would have, I mean, the Western Hockey League now is, is looking at, at uh, January. The Quebec League started, but, uh, you know, we see that Moncton mm-hmm. has had to have post postponed games. The other five teams in the Maritimes are playing. The rest of the teams, 12 in Quebec, have had to postpone because of the 28-day mandatory shutdown of, of sports teams. I, I think that that's where, you know, we're not in a bubble. So we're, we're, we're traveling and we're trying to understand what this travel means. And, and you have to respect the, uh, the, the local and provincial and state uh, jurisdictions with respect to what regulations they put in place. It, there may be some fits and spurts, some stops and starts. But I think that everybody involved is trying to, number one, make sure that a return to play minimizes risk across the board. Number two, there's a desire to to have the players play. And and participation is important, and and not just for junior hockey or college hockey or European. It's also important for young people to be able to have the opportunity to participate in sports. So it's not just the leagues that are trying to find that. It's also schools. Mm -hmm. It's also, 
you know, we look at the CIS and, and, and university sports and the NCAA in the U.S., you know, they're all looking to, to try to find a path forward so that people can participate. And whether you're 10 years old, or you're 20 years old, or you're looking to compete in the Tokyo Olympics in 2021, mm -hmm. I mean, these are all uncertain times. So I, I think that we got to respect it, that the plans that are in place are ones that are, uh, I, I think, optimistic, and hopefully we can realize them. But at the same time, I think that what we have seen clearly is that there's an opportunity there in a bubble that's worked very, very well. There's other uh, scenarios that have worked to a certain extent and, and maybe out of the control that, that isn't anything that they haven't done, but because of the local provincial state regulations, they've had to shut down. So that I, I think that that's something we're going to have to deal with. The NHL wants to play. We know that. But we're, we're looking into the new year, whether that's February, whether that's middle of January, whether their most optimistic date of January 1st can work. But I, I think that one thing in my view, if I'm going to guess at something, that if hockey and the NHL wants to get on track with what their schedule has been up to this pause, that we're going to have to look at shortened seasons yeah. to get back on that track. And that's where I would guess that we're headed. What the start date is, I'm not sure, but I think we're going to see shortened seasons. I would. Uh, I think you have to, especially with an Olympic break uh, looming in the future yeah. as well. Now, this is going to make scouting so interesting and, and maybe difficult. On the last episode, you know, you told the story about during the lockout and you guys flying commercial. You literally were flying with faith in that uh, in that story as well with all the nuns. <laughs> that back was there. great. I, I loved. I love the way you presented that. Yeah, but you know, it's it's interesting how you know the the lockout makes it interesting when you're you're trying to save money. Now, COVID is you know how do you scout if the OHL doesn't play how do you the OHL can't play without contact you couldn't tell Alabama to play without play a two-hand touch game so I don't know how this is going to impact scouting last year this the, the last season COVID kind of shut down the near the end now this is messing with the beginning so maybe maybe what are the difficulties that scouts and, and players hoping to be scouted face this year do you think well and I think you make a really really uh, important recognition it's not just the scouting community that's affected it's also the players and you know players have, have, have to this point in time they they've been committed they've been uh, they've sacrificed a lot to achieve their goals to try to you know put their best foot forward and, and to put themselves in positions where they can show NHL scouts what they're capable of doing so that they can be drafted as high as possible. So th that really affects them. I mean, training is one thing and staying sharp is, is one thing, but playing those games is, is significant for the players and it's significant for the scouting community. And if, if we go back and we just start to think, so, and, and, and I'm going to use a couple of examples here. So last March, the pause comes. Well, Corson uh, Kulemans, who plays mm -hmm. with the Brooks Bandits, uh, an Edmonton native, a really, really good player. Well, Brooks Bandits have now played four exhibition games. They're in a cohort with the Okotoks Oilers. So people now have had a chance to watch Corson. So, but what's Corson? He was part of the championship team two years ago. 
He doesn't have a chance to compete in the playoffs last year of the AJHL. He doesn't have a chance to play at the U18 camp or come to the U18 camp and participate for Canada at the Holinka Gretzky. So those are all things that not only has he missed, but everybody's missed. Everybody in this draft class has missed. But also what the scouts have missed is the opportunity to assess that player. You watch him, you watch him, you watch him. Well, now there's this huge gap. And so as they go back and watch him, he has an opportunity to show, oh boy, I've really advanced. But another really good defenseman in this draft, Brent Clark, who plays mm -hmm. uh, in Barrie, he doesn't have that chance to show people where he's at. So now what's happens is you have this uncertainty uh, from a scouting perspective about what is this player capable of? You know, scouting again is you're building, 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 and you go, okay, we're comfortable. These are our strengths. These are the areas we want to develop. And we're really confident. This is the guy we want. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of scouting efforts that are not going to build to that ultimate confidence of, 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 of when you get to the draft. And that's going to be the same for everybody. And for players that can demonstrate it and players uh, that may not be able to demonstrate it to the same extent, it's, it's going to affect them. There's no question it will. And we'll, we may look back in two or three years' time and say, hey, this is why player so-and-so uh, went this part of the draft. Right. And, and, and this is why he's so good. that teams You just don't have that opportunity to watch a player. I, I talked about Connor Zary earlier, mm -hmm. and I talk about – watching him just get better and better and better each successive time. Uh, Brendan Brisson, who went to the Vegas Golden Knights, same thing with him. Well, if you don't have the opportunity to watch Brendan Brisson, you know, in a summer camp, in, a, in, in, in an early USHL fall classic, in games in the USHL, at the World Junior A Challenge, down the stretch, I, I'm not so, I, like, I, I am sure. I, yeah. I, I might not have the same level of confidence in projecting it doesn't mean that I don't think he can be a good player, but that, that level of confidence. Same thing goes, uh, you know, with Connor Zary, you know, and yeah, Lafreniere and the top players. The, the other part of this, too, is that when we look at the World Junior roster mm -hmm. and, and what that's going to look like, yeah. you know, one of the things you have a World Junior Summer Showcase and then you have the rookie camps. All these players have been drafted, and, and, and Hockey Canada goes and scouts these rookie tournaments in September. Then they watch the players. Then they have the Russia Canada series. So there's all these opportunities for players to show that they belong and they should be considered for this team, young players included. That, that That's gone. Yeah. That's gone. Like, uh, like you, you know, Jamie Drysdale, he makes the team last year. Like, really, well, he, he showed – Great capability at the Holinka Gretzky. Then he showed mm -hmm. early. Then he showed in the OHL series. Players aren't going to have that opportunity. So the Brant Clarks, the Corson Coolamins, I, I think that's an opportunity lost for them. And and also, I think that Hockey Canada, USA Hockey, they're, they're, it, it, it could be as much of a 20-year-old tournament, a 19-year-old tournament, <laughs> as it ever has been <laughs> in previous years because, oh, yeah. of, because of this unique uh, scenarios. I just thought about that. These European countries are going to have a huge advantage because most of their players are playing right now in action. There's there's a lot of guys that'd be eligible for Canada in the U.S. that that who knows when they're going to play. Well, I mean, so Lucas Raymond is playing, 
and Alexander Holtz is playing, and Philip Broberg is playing, yeah. and Askarov is playing, and Paul Colson is playing. Like, like the, yeah. they're playing, and 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 so it's going to be interesting to see what Hockey Canada and USA Hockey does. You know, depending on you know leagues starting or not starting. Like, does Hockey Canada have a longer camp? Do they have right. a camp with more players to try to get? I, I I do believe this though, Dean, and I really do believe it, is that. Once the puck drops, team the countries are going to have ample opportunity to ramp up their, their 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 players from a competitive point of view, from a physical point of view, from a conditioning point of view. Much like the NHL, you know, they they had that two week camp and then mm -hmm. they played the exhibition game, and it might have been a little bit bumpy, but those players they're they wide, right they're thoroughbred, they're thoroughbreds, yeah. right? And and we saw a fantastic, fantastic competitive environment. I don't think it'll be any less. If, if it was everybody's together, we dropped the puck and now you're playing for real, I would say, okay, the European countries might have an advantage, but I think once you get to the preparations and you play some pre-tournament games, I expect on Christmas day when that puck drops, the competition will be elite and the competitive level will be as high as it's ever been. All right, let's get to the 2021 draft now, and we'll go. We'll get into positions in a minute, but just uh, overall, how would you rank the top 40? Because that's where we uh, look at the top shelf talent on track in the draft. So when you look at the top 40 for 2021 and compare it to some of the past drafts, where does it sit? Yeah, you, you know, one thing I'll do as we go through this, Dean, is I will make sure that we call it the tiers and uh, and figure out you know where the tiers are but but, but i see a lot of, a lot of really good players well uh, into the 40s not just 240 but well into the 40s and 50s and mm. some really really good players i, I for me what, what i'm seeing and i and i saw this last year like there, there's going to be a lot of defensemen you know there was only two defensemen drafted this year in the in the in the top 15 picks and and they went at 5 and 6 uh, that's not going to be the case when we have players such as Owen Power and Simon Edvinson and Corson Kuhlemans and Brant Clark and Luke Hughes and Carson Lambos, uh, you know, there's Daniel Shaika. These are really, really good defensemen. And the other interesting thing about these defensemen, they're not, they're not smaller defensemen. They're all right. what I would call long, big defensemen that can play the game. So, you know, the, the, there'll be a run on defensemen early on in this draft, just like there was a run on the forwards. But then, you know, after that, I mean, Jesper Wallstadt is an outstanding goaltender. He's a late 2002 born. I think that he very well could be the starting goalie for Sweden at the World Junior Tournament. So mm -hmm. for Jesper Wallstadt, that's going to be significant for him because he's going to have that opportunity to, to, to be in front of everybody at significant competition. He's already playing in the SHL. So, you know, you have that opportunity. But, you know, at that level, Jesper Wallstadt will be like Askarov was last year. No doubt in my mind, a first-round draft pick and, uh, you know, the best goalie for me in this draft. But, you know, you start going deeper, uh, you know, you're going to hear me talk about the three Zachs from the Quebec mm. League, uh, Zachary Laharou, Zachary Bolduc, and Zachary Dean. And, you, you, you know, uh, terrific players, really good players, you know. And, and you know, the depth from Europe, that there's a lot of really good USA players. And, again, Canada... Has, has some significant players and 
you know, you talk about Dylan Gunther for, with the Edmonton Oil Kings. I talked right. about Carson Kuhlemans, Carson Lambos, Cole Sillinger. Carson's with uh, Winnipeg. Cole's with the uh, Medicine Hat Tigers. I mean, these are th- these are really good players. And then there's the guy that we featured a couple of times who's vying to be the first uh, overall pick uh, from Finland. Is is there a number one pick right now like, uh, you know, like we've seen from Lafreniere this past year, you know, basically led wire to wire. Is there a consensus number one pick, Craig, or is that up in the air still, do you think? I think it's up in the air, Dean. I I think that as, as good as uh, Aturati is, it's it, it, there's not a consensus number one. There's not a clear cut guy that says, okay, this is the guy that stands alone at this point in time. Uh, I, there's other candidates. You know, Bob McKenzie's going to do a preseason ranking list whenever we have some certainty around the start of the season. And one of the things that he doesn't, I mean, does many outstanding things, but w- w- with respect to his prospect ranking, you know, he gets a real sense from the NHL teams. And you're going to hear it in that show that Aturati had X number of first place votes and Owen Power had X number of first place votes and player C and player D had one or two. So, so unlike Lafreniere, where, where it was like, you know what? He had them all. <laughs> it won't be that case in the preseason ranking. And, and I think that's how the 2021 draft sets up at this point in time. I look at this draft, and and it's weird. If you invert uh, the 21, you get 2012, and the 2012 draft was full of defensemen. Um, those guys that uh, you know went in a run after that. Is this is this draft as stacked of defensemen? Not to say that all those defensemen turned out great, but at that time they were all ranked really high. Is this as close of a draft as that one, as far as the preliminary rankings and the amount of defensemen? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say that that's fair. And, and, and obviously going into that draft, I mean, there was a real knowledge of the defensemen that were going to be available. And, you know, the benefit of hindsight is knowing what ones uh, were able to uh, turn out to be really good defensemen and, and, and the other ones that, that weren't able to realize the potential uh, that NHL teams felt they had with respect to where they drafted them. But absolutely, Dean, I, I, I think this draft is, is very similar in that regard. And, you know, when we talk about those defensemen and, you know, if I just go quickly here and I did like, I'm just going to read off of, you know, you know, Owen Power is six foot four and a half. Simon hmm. Evans is six foot three. Corson Kuhlemans is six one. Brant Clark is six two. Luke Hughes is five eleven and a half. You know, those Carson Lambos is a six foot defenseman who can skate. Daniel Shaika is six three. You know, so as, as you start, like every, I say this all the time, everything being equal, everybody wants the bigger player over the smaller player. Well, guess what? The bigger players available this year. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and and it's so exciting. And I know you mentioned uh, the goaltending situation uh, uh, earlier. Do you do you see the amount of hype f- uh, for the Swedish goaltender as was as there was for the for the Russian goaltender? Do you see similar things between the two? Because uh, Skaroff obviously went pretty high. Yeah, well, here's what I would say. I I, I would say that Jesper Wallstadt, like Skaroff stands alone as the best goaltender in this draft. Uh, I really believe that. I think that it starts with him, and then we can debate who two and three and four are after that. Uh, I don't think that he has the same level of ability that that, that Askarov uh, had coming into the draft, 
but I see him as a clear-cut number one goaltender. And I see him as having all the requisite skills and attributes to be a starting number one goaltender in the National Hockey League. That, that's how good I see him. But, you know, just, I don't know, when I use the word notch, what's a notch? Remember, you remember when your grandmother would say, like, you know, just a pinch of this or a pinch of that? What right. is a pinch? A so pinch, I'm not, not going to fall into the trap of what a notch is. I will say this. I don't quite see him at the same level as a Scaroff entering the draft, but I clearly see him as a, as a, as a clear-cut number one goaltender. Uh, earlier, we talked about a guy that was just drafted as having the best name in the draft in Gunnar Wolf Fontaine, and uh, he's also uh, a member of High Level Scouting. So is another guy who might take the cake for best name, Jimmy Finland. Jimmy Suomo. Jimmy Finland is uh, obviously his nickname, but you know what do you like about uh, this guy? I, I just love the name. Why wouldn't you? I mean, he's from Finland, and his last name's Suomi. I mean, yeah. you gotta love it. Well, here's what you're gonna love. I don't know if you've seen Jimmy play, but it, mm. but it, but I'll give you an idea. Jimmy Jimmy has a real boldness to his game. You know, when he has the puck, he he wants to make a play. You know, and he's not afraid of trying to make plays. He he he's got this excellent uh, mind. He's really creative. He's got imagination. And boy, does he have jump in his game. He can jump with his skating. He recognizes opportunities to jump. And there is no hesitation in his game. Now, inevitably, I'll tell you what you're going to hear. Oh, he's 5'10", 145 pounds. Mm -hmm. You know what? All I know is this. When you turn on, when you go and watch the game, he has the puck. He's the one making the plays. And nobody can stop him. So I see lots of play, uh, defensemen that are taller than him, and they, they don't have the same impact on the game that Jimmy does. He's going to grow. He's going to get more physically mature. You cannot teach the things he has. And I think that Jimmy, you know, the plans are, are for him to be with the Chicago Steel and the USHL. We know what a great job Ryan Hardy and the mm -hmm. Chicago Steel do with their program. And to me, Jimmy, you'll hear all the parts about size. And you'll hear all the things about, oh, is he the biggest guy? Bottom line for me, kid's a real terrific player. You, you know what I hear when somebody says, oh, he's too small? Do you know what? I, this is what goes through my mind. I don't scout with a tape measure. Because that's what you <laughs> say all the time. That's what yeah. goes through my mind when somebody says somebody's too small. Or, oh, that guy skates good for a big guy. Well, he just skates good, right? You know, size <laughs> is great. But we don't scout with tape measures. That's what I love about you. I love you, brother, and that's exactly the way I feel. Like, no, but I do. But it's true. Like, your comment about oh, he skates good for a big guy. He, he's a good skater. What, mm -hmm. what does it matter? He skates well. Like, you know, what, what? What? He skates bad for a big guy, and he skates good for a small guy. Like, you know, <laughs> one of the. I, I laugh when I hear things like this too. Here's a new one. It might not be a new one for you, but one that I'm presenting is, oh, he's got small player skills. Oh. What? <laughs> Okay. Small play, well, please define that for me. Like Joe Thornton, like he, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? We know what he's done in his league. He's six foot four. No, I, I want the guy that has Joe Thornton big man skills. That's right. Yeah, I just want good <laughs> yeah. skills. Well, you're going to tell me Joe Thornton has small players? Like, give me a break. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, I so, love how Jimmy Jimmy's a Jimmy's Jimmy's a terrific player. I remember back in the Kale McCarr draft. Mm. And, uh, you know, there was commentary, wow, there's concerns about his defense and there's concerns about how he plays without the puck. And, and I said, uh, I, I, I would ask people and I would say this publicly, well, how do you know? I yeah. said, he, he always had the puck. 
He was always in the offensive zone. So what are your concerns about his defensive play, and what are you worried about when he doesn't have the puck? Like, How yeah. could you even evaluate that? <laughs> Guy has the puck all the time. All right, we all have favorites in the draft, and uh, I think you called it Craig's Crushes when you guys did the uh, the NBC <laughs> coverage. And you know, I always do that. We did that on the the Pipeline show as well. You, you start and get to know these guys a little bit, and you have your favorites and and things like that. And you know, some of the guys that I'm looking at for 2021 are you know Jimmy Suomo, as we mentioned, uh, Zach Bolduke, as you mentioned, Corson Coolmans, as you mentioned, Jesper Wallstadt. And I'm saying some of these guys because they're members of high level scouting already so I'm really excited to, to watch them play. The guy that uh, isn't a member of high level, that probably is my favorite, though, is, is Owen Power, just by how you've described him. So uh, that's a guy that I'm really going to focus on as a favorite this year. Do, do you have anybody that you're kind of zeroed in on already, or, or how does that develop for you over the year? Well, I mean, it, 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 it develops over time. So you, you watch these players. I mean, I mean, I've watched Owen Power play. This will be my fourth year watching Owen Power. Oh, wow, play, lucky! Know? So, yeah, well, yeah, and so like you, you, you watch him play, and you, you watch him develop, and you watch him think, and you become impressed. I mean, course and course and I mean, I watched him from the day he left uh, the Edmonton Midget team to join the Brooks Bandits. He didn't join the Brooks Bandits to kind of get his feet wet and observe and practice. He became a top four defenseman wow. on a national wow. championship team, right? So, you know, third year watching Corson. So you see him, Brad Clark, I've watched for a long time. Mason McTavish. So, you know, Luke Hughes, I've watched Luke grow up. So, I mean, that's even longer, right? Kent Johnson, uh, a player from the BCHL who's a terrific player. But I already have two man crushes for this draft, just so you know. All right. And one of them is, is Zachary Leheru. All he's right. He's playing in Halifax now. I, I, any way you want to play it, he, he's, got, he's got the skill and the demeanor of a Brad Marchand. He's bigger than Brad, but he's got that same type of quality in his game. Like, nobody likes playing against him. He always finds a way to, uh, to contribute and make a difference in the game. And I, I just lo I love the skill. I love the initiative. I love the attitude. Like, you know, a lot of that is about the attitude uh, of a player. And, and certainly Zachary Bolduck has, has a lot of that, too. Uh, the, the other player that, uh, you know, that I really, really love watching play. And, you know, uh, I, he may be a little bit like uh, Connor Zari in this regard. And he's a terrific player. Is Dylan Gunther, mm. and the more I, the you, when you're the first overall pick in the Western Hockey League in the Bantam Draft, you know automatically there's a spotlight on you, and automatically there's a reason to okay, let's let's really watch him. But but here's what's happened to me with Dylan, as I've watched him play. So I watched him play in midget after he was the first overall pick. Then you watch him, you know, in the Western Hockey League and you watch him at the at the U-17 level. And so now when I'm watching Dylan, I have this fantastic appreciation for a player that makes the game look incredibly easy. And, and we know that the game is never easy, but he, he skates effortlessly. He thinks the game effortlessly. You know, he can make a play at high speed. He can slow the game down. He can play on the power play. He can shoot the puck. He can make a pass. And when I look at what he did last year in the Western Hockey League as a 16, 17-year-old, it's impressive for a 19-year-old, let alone a 16, 17-year-old. So as I've watched him, my appreciation, I, I like to say about players like Dylan, they have the requisite skills, they're hot, they have high-end skills, but they beat you up with their mind. 
because mm. you you think you have a bead on them you never have a bead on them they have the bead on you a lot of times they're putting you in a position where they know they can take advantage and you don't realize it until it's too late so early on you know i love brant clark i love owen power atu ratty of course is coolamans but my two man crushes early on zachary laharu dylan gunther awesome stuff craig season one or season two first episode is behind us now and we'll start diving into the 2020 2021 draft and of course we'll take a peek ahead to 2022 as well uh, thank you so much it's going to be an interesting season that's for sure for players and scouts alike but we'll be tracking it along the way the whole time thanks craig have a great week yeah we will just quickly too you know with corson and the ajhl brooks uh, corsons and, and right? brooks and, and, and their cohort right now is Okotoke. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But uh, for me, living right here in Calgary, I'm going to have great opportunity to give you up to the minute to reports on coursing Coolamans. Yeah, I might have to make a road trip and come watch a game with you. Okay. I look forward to that. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. What'd you talk about, mister? Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we gotta win it. UFFS, you own the game. episode of season one was uh, Craig's Council, where uh, Craig gave some scouting tips and some stories, and uh, we'll be doing that from time to time throughout the season, and certainly that's how we'll uh, try and end every season as uh, we wrap up the draft and then look ahead uh, to the next season. This one just ran into each other, so normally we'd probably take a little bit of a break as uh, things recharge, but uh, seasons are running into each other. So uh, you'll be able to get some scouting tips, which will be good for the uh, folks on the Ultimate uh, Franchise Fantasy Sports platform in the scouting uh, part of that. So if you have a specific question, uh, you can email us at trackingthedraft at gmail.com and we'll add it uh, to the list of topics uh, as we go. All right, uh, time to get your... Uh, Put your brain on and uh, start thinking about the trivia answer. Time to flex your brain and answer this draft-related trivia question. Well, we're waiting. You want answers? Pay attention now. So you're telling me there's a chance. Can you dig it? Hands up with answers. Thank you. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Yeah! All right, we gave you the question earlier. Did you get it? Did you figure it out? What two current Canadian NHL cities have never had a first overall pick? And that would be Calgary and Vancouver. Um... Number two, uh, two overall, I think they both drafted uh, second overall uh, in their time. Uh, but certainly up here in Edmonton, the Oilers have had their fair share of uh, first overall picks. And uh, while the Atlanta, uh, or the, the Winnipeg Jets had uh, Dale Howard check, so that's why I included them 
in uh, but uh, the Atlanta had a first overall pick as well. So now uh, moving on to our Twitter poll question, and uh, this is in regards to the 2021 draft. What defenseman do you rank first going into the 2021 NHL draft? What defenseman do you rank first heading into the 2021 draft? Owen Power, Brant Clark, Corson Kuhlmans, or Simon Edvinson? And right now, uh, Owen Power leading the way, 36% uh, or 46.2% of the vote. Corson Kuhlmans is 30.8%. I'm looking forward to getting down and watching him play, particularly with Craig Button. Brant Clark at 20.5% and Edvinson at 2.6%. You can vote at Duck Millard on Twitter. Uh, we had a uh, sort of WHL-themed question last week on Sports & More about Mark Pesek. Yeah, well, he was our guest, so our, our question was your favorite Oil Kings memory. And the uh, Memorial Cup is the one, not surprisingly, that uh, came out on top in that situation. So go to Duck at Duck Millard. And you can have uh, your say in this vote about who you have ranked first when it comes to defensemen heading into the 2021 NHL draft. All right, that is going to wrap things up uh, for this episode, our first of season two. And we'll be diving into specific players more and more, uh, certainly uh, as we go on this program. If you enjoyed the show, please let us know. Leave us a review uh, or you can uh, chime in and send us an email. Trackinthedraft at gmail.com is how you can get in touch with us. If you did enjoy the show, please subscribe and leave us a review. And if you would like to get in touch with us uh, as an advertiser, simply email me tracking the draft at gmail.com big thanks to craig button uh, for joining us once again in season two big things ahead for this show really excited about it as we can uh, f- kind of roll things out over a full season whatever that may look like a full year anyway as far as the the calendar is concerned and of course thanks to you for listening and watching if you are listening you can check us out on our youtube channel and you can get all the good information on our website at trackingthedraft.ca. You can find all of that at podcastalley.ca, where I have uh, several shows up there uh, that you just might enjoy. Thanks very much for joining us on Season 2, Episode 1 of Tracking the Draft, where the stars of tomorrow are discovered. See you next week. Mm-hmm.